Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Well, one of my favorite characters in the scripture is the man called David. The Bible said that he was a man after God's own heart. I have a lot of favorite, but this one I actually like the guy. Because it tells you it tells you one interesting thing about David. David was a kind of a person who was a normal human being. He would behave like a normal person that would also behave like a spiritual man. It tells you, if you read the Psalms, you will see the struggles that David went through, which is the struggle that many of us went through. There are times when he will fall into sin and will say, Lord, deliver me. I'm a sinful man. There are times when he's running away from his enemies and he will say, Lord, help me. This guy is a very bad, he's a very wicked guy. Can you please do something about him? I mean, it tells you that he's a real human being. You know, and the interesting thing about the Bible is that the Bible never sugarcoats its heroes. It never tried to gloss over their weaknesses. It presents them as normal, real people. That's one of the reasons why I like this guy. You know, Now, David is, a, like I said, is a favorite verse. He's one of my favorite uh, characters. And if you look at First First Kings chapter 17, First Kings chapter 17 tells us a very fascinating story. If anybody remembers anything about David, you remember the story from First Kings chapter 17. And in that particular verse of the scripture, we see that very interesting story about David. And the Bible makes us to understand that if you begin to read from the beginning of that chapter, there was a man called Jesse, which was his father. Jesse had a lot of sons. And some of the sons were involved in the king's army. They were fighting in the, in the, in the army of Israel. And now David, Jesse now called David and said, David, I want you to take provisions to your brothers who are at the war front. Now, at that time, the armies of Israel are engaged in a battle with the armies of the Philistines. And within the Philistines was this guy, very huge guy. His name is De- Goliath of Gath. And De- Goliath had this be- very annoying character and a very annoying behavior that he does. Every morning when they were at war, he will come out and he will boast in front of the armies of Israel and say, you guys are just wimps. I want you, somebody to come out here. If you think that you really think, you, if you think you really know how to fight, I want you to come out here and actually send somebody to fight me. And if that person is able to defeat me, fine. Then we'll become your servant. And if I defeat you, then you become my servant. The guy who was so sure of himself, he was even bordering on cockiness, that the point that he was even defying them every day, and the Bible said that for 40 days, he kept on doing it. And nobody in the camp of the Israelites were able to stand up and take up this particular offer. Every day the guy comes, they run away. And every day they all keep keep, uh, whining somewhere. So at the end of the day, David showed up. And when David showed up bringing in that particular provision to his brother, that was a, a coincidentally, that was the time when Goliath also showed up. And Goliath started talking. And David looked at this guy and said, who is this human being that is making this kind of noise? Doesn't he know that he's confronting or trying to defy the armies of the Almighty God? What do you think we're going to do to this particular guy? Now, until David showed up, Goliath had been having his way. Until David showed up, nobody challenged Goliath. Until David showed up, nobody responded to the challenge of David. But everything changed the day David showed up. 
didn't change the, the vision of the question is what was it about David that changed the story? That's what we're interested in. What was it about the life of David that changed the story of David of Goliath coming and making noise every morning? What was it? What was it? What was in the life of David that was missing in the camp of, the, of, of, of Israel at that time? What was it? What was that special character that set David apart? In First Samuel chapter 17, by the time you start reading from verse number 34, you will see the Bible gives us an insight into what was happening, into what made David a different kind of person, into what set David apart. In verse number 34, the Bible says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took and, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him, and I smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I fought him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Verse number 36, And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Be seeing that he had seen he has defied the army of the living God. Now, from this verse of the scripture, you see that particular thing in the life of David that set him apart. That particular thing that made David a special character. That particular David, that particular thing in the life of David that made him a story changer, a difference maker. The first thing that we see in the life of David is number one is his mindset. His mindset was that he was not willing to accept the fact that only one person can control the whole army of the nation of Israel. Number two, we see his view of the enemy. David did not see Goliath as a man who is so big that cannot be conquered. He saw Goliath as a huge target that cannot be missed. He was a man who saw David, who saw Goliath as, hey, this is an uncircumcised Philistine. This is a guy that I can take down. I mean, if I can deal with a bear, if I can deal with a lion, then this guy is nothing to me. So his view of the enemy was the one that said, him apart. Number three was the regard for the honor and the glory of the Almighty God. He said, who is this Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to be able to defy the army of the living God? Have you ever seen, I don't know for if you watch, you know, if you, if you look at somebody that you think is really below you and you are making a comment and that person is responding, you feel that what kind of rubbish is this? What kind of insult is this? Okay? For those of you who are close to me, I probably heard the story. But myself and my wife, you probably heard this story before. When we're still in there, when we're still in college, there was this uncle of his who was a military guy. He was in the major in the Nigerian army. And you can, if you if you know anything about Nigerian army, those guys are mean and ruthless. So I threw a party for her. And then this guy came and there were some stories that were going on on the campus. And then the, the, the uncle took her away. And then I felt that I was being insulted. So I went to the military camp. I went into the military camp and I went to the major's house to go and confront him. That the stories that were being said about my wife and myself were not true. Looking back, that was the dumbest thing any human being can do. <laughs> to walk into a military camp. And the man looked at me. I can, still, I can still see his face. He looked at me and he just shook his head. At one point he said, I will deal with you physically. I can deal with you militarily. <laughs> and he was also a very spiritual and praying man. He said, I can deal with you spiritually. He just looked at me. You know, there's something we say. I don't know how to translate it in English. But, oh, um, how do you translate this in English? Um, he looked at where he can punish me. You know, he just didn't know how to deal with me because I was too small for him to deal with. You know, I tell that story to give you an idea of what David was looking at. You are looking at an almighty God. 
You are looking at an incomparable God. The one that spoke the universe into existence. The one that said, let there be light and there was light. The one, the Bible said that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his full too. And one human being called Goliath is standing up and saying, I am Goliath, I will deal with you. David was looking at him, what is wrong with this human being? God can deal with you physically. God can deal with you spiritually. God can deal with you in any way. I mean, he can just do something like, it's just like when you have all this gnats, you can do something like this, and Goliath will be gone. So David was looking at it, and because because of the view of David, because of the way David was looking at his enemy, he had a great honor and a great regard for the glory of the Almighty God. And because of that, it changed the way he saw him. Number four, what made David different? David was different because David's determination to defend the honor of the Almighty God. Because he doesn't want the name of the Lord God Almighty to be insulted. He doesn't want the name of the Almighty God to be dragged, in the, dragged into mourn. He looked at this man and said, who is this human being that is, that is trying to challenge the living God? That is trying to challenge the living God. It's just like some nations decide to wake up one day and say they want to fight America. And the, American, the U.S. Army will look at you and say, who, who, I mean, where are you on the map? We can't even find you. That is what is happening here. David looked and said, he's determined to defend the name of the Almighty God and, and not allow... Not allow a guy like uh, a guy like uh, uh, like uh, Goliath to mess around with the name of the Almighty God. But most importantly, the verse of the scripture that we read in First uh, in First Kings chapter seventeen, First uh, Samuel chapter seventeen, gives us an idea of you know, give us an idea into what set David apart. What set David apart was his power, his faith in the power of the Almighty God. David was not looking at himself. David was not looking at his own stature. Because if you read that particular scripture, Saul was saying, this guy, by the time, the Bible gave us a description of this guy. This man is over seven feet tall. The spear that this man was carrying, I'm sure, was even weighs even more than David. So in other words, if, David, if Goliath were to grab David, he can pluck off his head and use it for chewing stick. You know? But the point is that David had faith in the power of the of God of Israel. That was what set him apart. And then David had the courage to engage the armies of the living God. In other words, it's one thing for you to have faith. It's another thing for you to have the courage to walk with that particular faith. It's another thing for you to believe that that faith is active enough for you to be able to take the steps that are necessary to be able to move forward. So David had the courage to engage the armies of the living God. That was what set him apart. David's mindset, David's outlook, David's view, his determination to honor and defend the name of Jehovah God uh, were all informed by his faith and courage to engage the enemies of the Almighty God. It was because he had that particular faith and he had the courage to act upon that faith. That was what set him apart. He heard the same thing that he, he heard the same thing that the whole camp of Israel were hearing. He saw the same person that everybody was seeing. He understood exactly the challenges that Goliath was giving unto them. But he responded differently because of the fact that he had the faith and he had the courage to challenge the enemies of the living God. That was what made the difference that set him apart. That was what made him a special person in the camp of, in the camp of, uh, in the camp of uh, Israel at that time. David's faith and courage to engage was the difference that set him apart from the rest of the people in the camp of Israel. Now, some of you might be wondering, how does this have to do, what does this have to do with harvest? <laughs> what does this have to do with laws of, laws of, law of sowing and reaping? It has everything to do with it because, number one, your harvest will not come if you lack the faith to sow your seed. No matter how powerful, potent that seed is, no matter how fertile the ground is, 
no matter how much energy, how much preparation, how much planning you have done, if you do not have the faith to put that seed in the ground, that seed will never grow. If you do not have the faith to be able to sow the seed, there will never be a harvest. Number two, your harvest will not come if you lack the courage to engage the process. If you don't have that particular courage to step out of that particular boat. If you don't have the courage to be able to act upon what you know to be true. If you don't have the courage to be able to act upon the thing that God has spoken to you about. It will never happen. It will just continue to be a dream. It will just continue to be something that you are dreaming about. Something that you are seeing in your dreams and in your vision. But you will never see the reality of day. Your harvest will not come if you lack the courage to engage the process. Number three. Your harvest will not come if you are intimidated by the challenges that you see. Nothing good comes easy. Anything that is of value will always have that particular challenge. There will always be some opposition. There will always be somebody who will want to stand against you. No matter how good, no matter how, how nice you are, somebody will not like your face. And they will particularly not like your face if you are looking as good as I am. You know? But if you are not, you know, whatever you do, somebody is not going to like you. Whatever you want to do, you, so if you are waiting for all opposition to go away, you will never have a harvest. You will never have it. Because somebody somewhere will not like what you are doing. So your harvest will not come if you are intimidated by challenges. Your harvest will not come if you place less value on the, on the promised harvest. If you don't think that the harvest is important. If you don't think that what you are going to reap is important. If you don't think that it is worth it to be able to invest your energy into a particular venture. Why would you want to sow? Why would you want to sow if you don't think that oranges are important? Why would you want to plant oranges? If you don't believe that apples are good, why would you want to put apple seed in the ground? If you don't think that a harvest is important, if you don't place a high value on that harvest, you will not be engaged in the process. And that harvest will not come. And that is why. The reason is that, and what, why is that? The reason is because your harvest is the future of your actions today. In other words, what you get tomorrow is, is a function of what you do today. If you do not believe that the promised future, if you do not believe in the promised future, you will not act. If you don't believe it, you won't act upon it. If you don't have the faith, you will not exercise any action. You will not do anything if you don't believe it. Your harvest is the future of your actions today. If you do not believe that the promise, uh, believe in that promised future, you will not act today. David took action of going after Goliath because he believed in the promise of God over the nation of Israel. He believed that nobody would be able to stand before them. And because he believed that, he was willing to act. David was willing to act because he knew that anybody who stands on the side of the Almighty God can never be defeated. David was willing to take an action because he knew that nobody can, you know, nobody can take and protect the honor of the Almighty God and not go and will not go unrewarded. If you do not believe that you will reap a harvest, you will not waste your time sowing. If you don't believe it, you won't do it. In other words, for harvest to come, you must have the faith. You must have the faith that takes you from where you are to where you need to be. You must have the faith to engage in the process. The question is, what is faith? And many of us have heard about it. What is faith? Faith, the Bible defined for us in Hebrews chapter 11, reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is an assurance. Faith is something that you are assured of. You know it. Though you have not seen it, but you know. 
It's just like if somebody comes in here, you know that man is a reputable person in the community. You know that he's a faithful man in the community. You know he's a generous man in the community. You know he's also a very rich man in the community. And they looked at us and they said, here, you guys are sitting in this particular auditorium. It doesn't look so elegant as you want. I want to build you something. And for every member of the church, I'm going to give you a check of about ten or $20,000 just for you to play around. I tell you, a lot of people will make phone calls right now and tell you, okay, what is that particular thing, that uh, shoe that I've been looking at at J.C. Penny or whatever? You begin to make calls because, number one, you trust, the, you trust that particular individual to give you what he has promised. So faith is assurance. Faith is a confirmation. In other words, it's something that you know was going to happen. Faith is the proof of the promises of the Almighty God. Faith is a conviction. Okay, it's a conviction. It's what you know that you know that you know. Something that you are convinced about. Something that you are sure about. That's what faith is all about. Faith is not something that is nebulous. Faith is not something that is just floating in the clouds. It's not something by and by. For people, they can have faith in other things, but their faith in the word of the Almighty God is something that is solid. Something that is assured. Something that is a proof. Something that that is backed up with your own conviction. In other words, the action that you will know, faith is the action that tells the world what you believe. Faith is the action that tells the whole world that you believe something. If you love somebody, it is not what you say about that person. It's what you do to that person that tells us whether you love that person. Okay? There's something we used to say back home in Nigeria that a man that you do not love, that is the person whose house is very, very far. Okay? Your house is far because I don't love you. If I love you, if you live in where? If you live in Chattanooga, I'll find a way to get there. Okay? So when I love somebody, it, is, it doesn't matter what that person is going through. It doesn't matter how the circumstances of that person. I find a way to relate to that person. So faith is the action that tells the world what we believe. And that is why in, John, in James chapter 2, James chapter 2 reading from verse number 26, the Bible tells us that. It says, for the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without work is dead also. In other words, if I say I have faith, I believe God can provide. I believe God can heal. I believe God answers prayer. But when I say I believe God can provide, I refuse to give. If I say I believe God can heal, I refuse to pray. If I believe God can turn the life, turn the life of men, I refuse to speak the word of God that will turn the life of that man. I know that in essence, I'm basically saying I don't believe. Because if you believe, you will show by the things you do. That's what the Bible is telling us. For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without work is also dead. Okay, and if you go further in verse number 18, if you back up a little bit, go to verse number 18, James was arguing. He said, A man says that he has faith, and I have works. He said, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Okay, if I say I believe, I've used this example before, and I'm going to use it again. If I say I believe that this chair is strong enough, but I'm not willing to sit on it, what am I saying? I don't believe the chair is strong enough. But if I don't have to say anything, if I don't believe whether the chair is strong enough or not, if I sit on it, I've only, I already told you that I believe that the chair is strong enough and is comfortable to take my weight. So the idea, the, what James is saying is that whatever you say is not what is important. It is what you do that is important. Okay? What you do that is important. Thou hast faith and I have work. Show me your faith without your work. Without your work and I will show you my faith by my work. In other words, faith is evidenced by the action you take. 
Faith is evidenced by the action you take. Your action tells us what you believe in. And that is why we are talking about it when it comes to the issue of harvesting. Because when you say you believe in the law of harvest, it means that you have to be engaged in the process. It means you have to be engaged in the process. Faith is evidenced by the action that you take. So if you say you believe in harvest, you are saying, you are saying, you're saying it does not make it real. It is your action that tells us that you really believe in that particular harvest. Because if you do, you will begin to act on that conviction. Statement of faith and actions of faith are two different things. Okay? In other words, I can say something and I can do something. Two different things. A lot of people talk about the action, the, the statement of faith. Oh, I believe I can do this. Oh, I believe I can do that. Oh, I believe God is for me. God is for And you, you make all those nice and fancy proclamations. But their actions are completely opposed to it. And though that's why your what you say and what you do are two different things. Talking about faith is easy. Okay? Talking about faith is very, very easy. I can say I believe whatever I believe. It is putting that faith into action. That is where the issue comes in. Okay? I believe that God will bless those who are generous givers. But if you don't, if you want to know how the, the person, if you want to know the person that actually believes that statement, is what he does with his checkbook. Does he put his hands in his pocket? I believe that God, everywhere the soul of my feet shall tread upon the Lord will give unto me. But you find that that man is not leaving his house to go and preach the gospel. And he said he believes it. I believe that yes, God Almighty, if I lay hands upon the sick, they will be, they will be healed. And that person refused to even pray, let alone lay hands on the sick. Though the point we are making is that it's easy to talk. Very easy to talk. But the actions of faith, doing what what is required to bring that faith alive, is the difficult part. Putting feet to your faith is the difficult and scary part of practicing the law of harvest. And that is why some have said that faith, you know, faith for harvest is a difficult and risky business. The faith for harvest is a very difficult and is a very risky business. Why is it difficult? It is difficult... It is difficult because, number one, of the element of uncertainty. You can plant. That doesn't mean you are going to get something. You can act on faith. It doesn't mean that you are going to see results. One of the most difficult things that you see for a preacher or for somebody who walks, you know, who is, a, who is a minister of the gospel is that when the Lord gives him a word, okay, when the Lord gives that particular word out, there is a very strong tendency for you to say, God, are you sure what I'm hearing? Am I, am I sure what I'm hearing? Are you sure what you are telling me? When the Lord is telling you, tell them somebody is here that needs the healing of the Almighty God. If all they have to do is to stretch forth their hands and the Lord God Almighty will touch them there. Because you have not seen it happen. It's a very, very scary thing. Because you can say it and nothing will happen. Just like this morning when we were praying and, and the, the, the person who was leading us in prayer said, clap your hand because the bread, there's going to be a breaking in bondage. If you don't, it is, you, you, you can clap your hand. If, since you don't see it, it is a very scary thing. So, faith for harvest is a very scary thing because, number one, of the element of uncertainty. Your seed may not yield the desired result. Number two, it is difficult, it is scary because of the element of vulnerability. You may be, you may be casualties of extreme, uh, extreme weather. You may expose yourself and nothing happens. So, the, the, the element of vulnerability is there. There's also the element of lack of control because you can't control it. Once you put the seed in the ground, anything can happen to that seed. Termite can eat it. The weather can come in. Excess rain might come. Excess drought might come. Whatever thing can happen, it's an element of uncertainty. Lack of control is involved. And then finally, it is difficult. The faith for harvest is difficult because of the element of trust. What do we mean by the element of trust? The element of trust is simply saying that it is you are trusting God to give you the increase. 
You are trusting somebody else to do the thing for you. You are trusting that the, that the seed will grow because it has been encoded to grow. You are trusting the soil to be able to allow it to grow. You are trusting so many other things to happen which is outside of your control. That is why it is a very scary business. And that's why a lot of people have had it very difficult to love other people. Because as soon as you say you are loving somebody, you are opening your heart. You are making yourself vulnerable. You are putting, you are putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. You can no longer control what is happening. And because of that, you can be disappointed. Anybody can disappoint you at any time. And that is why faith for harvest is a very, very risky and dangerous business. The element of trust. Faith for harvest is dangerous because you have to trust God to do what he is supposed to do. And it raises a number of questions in the heart of people. That is why faith is one of the most simple things and also one of the most difficult things in the house of God. Because it raises a lot of questions in the heart of people. What about if God does not answer my prayer? What about if God does not do it? What about if I give my money and he doesn't bring it back? What about if I love this person and he doesn't love me back? What about if I forgive and he doesn't forgive me back? What about this? What about that? What about that? What about? And by the time you do all that, what about, what about? You find out that you are paralyzed in one spot and you cannot move. Because you are trying to look at all the various angles. And because all the various angles are not fitting in, it paralyzes a lot of people. Many have refused to engage because of that element of uncertainty. That comes with faith. Because you don't know what is going to happen. Because you cannot control what is about to happen. A lot of people have been paralyzed on the same spot. They cannot move forward just because of that element of uncertainty. And this is what happened to the children of Israel. Because when they saw Goliath, the first thing that came to my mind is, Ah, this is a very big man. If I go after him, what is he going to do to me? Is he going to kill me? Is he going to break my neck? Is it, will, I, will my arrow be able to go through? If I, swing the, if I swing my sword, will I be able to get him? Am I tall enough to get his neck? I mean, all those kind of questions are going on in your mind, in their mind, and that's why they could not do anything. And as a result, they were paralyzed on the same spot for 40 days. Nothing happened. And I can tell you the same thing is going on through the minds of many of us. If you look at many of us when we're about to start a particular project, ask yourself, if you are honest, you've gone through the same number of questions. You ask yourself, is this something that I want to do? You want to start a new job. Should I take that job? Is it a good job? Is it a job that will pay very well? Will I be fired tomorrow? I mean, all those things are going on through the back of our mind. And if you do not move, you will just remain stuck in the same spots. And that's why a lot of people are not making progress. Not because they don't believe God. Not because they don't have the, the, the vision that God has given unto them. Not because they have not seen the thing. That they are not desirous of something good. But it's because they have been paralyzed by the uncertain element. The uncertainty element of faith. They have been paralyzed by it. But our faith as the children of God is not uncertain. Our faith as the children of God is built on a solid ground. Our faith as the children of God has been assured unto us. Our faith as the children of God has a lot of substance that we have that we can build upon, that we can trust on. How do I know that? I know that because of the word of God tells me so. I know that because the promises of God assures us. I know that the, 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 the faith that we have, the faith of the, that we have is confirmed by the testimonies of scripture. I know that the faith that we have is assured and established by the faithfulness of the almighty God. One of my favorite verses of the scripture, I think, is Romans chapter 8. I think in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, the Bible tells us there. It says that if the Lord God Almighty can give us Jesus Christ, what else can he not give you? What else can he not give you? I mean, if I ask you, okay, you are, I love you so much, I want you to go home with Deborah. What else are you going to take from me? You understand the idea? That's what the Lord has done. 
If he can give us the Lord Jesus Christ, what else are you going to ask him that he will not give you? That is what assures our faith. The faithfulness of the Almighty God. The faithfulness of the Almighty God. The Bible says he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever will believe in him, whether you like him or you don't like him, whether you are in the camp or you are not in the camp, whether you are an atheist or a believer, whatever you are, whoever you are, as long as you believe in the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are welcome into the camp of the Almighty God. That is what assures our faith. That God is a faithful God. And whatever he says he will do, he will do it. That is the foundation of our faith. Our foundation is based, you know, is assured because of the faithfulness of the Almighty God. The question then is how do you develop the faith that engages the process of harvest? How do you develop it? Romans chapter 10. I want to start reading from verse number 17. Romans chapter 10, reading from verse number 17. The Bible says, so then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Very, very simple enough. But in this particular verse of scripture, what does it mean? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What does that mean? What are we referring to? It means that faith to engage the process of harvest comes when you receive a specific word from the Lord for your very, very specific situation. Yeah. That is what it means. The rema word of God must come to you specifically for that particular issue. When you receive that specific word, that is when it makes a difference. But when you just pick up the word, or you just declare a word, what you are doing is that you are just assuming that God is talking to you concerning your situation when he has not actually spoken. But the the Bible says that the faith, the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God simply means hearing that word that is specific, that is particular, that is designed, that is specifically sent for you. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.